0: He played Carol His rating was out.
1: Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast, their shares and reviews in Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions.
0: But he has more experience, but I won't lose again.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ladies Night. Today I have a very special guest. Nadia Ortiz, she's from Avrague, Colombia, a village outside Bogota, where she learned to play chess at six years old from her dad. And Papa Ortiz is a very proud papa indeed. Nadia became her country's first WGM and traveled to over 30 countries to represent Colombia. Later, she got a chess scholarship, studied computer science and English at University of Texas at Brownsville, and later at Purdue, where she got her master's later becoming a senior software engineer at Apple. In a recent interview with CBS News, where I was also featured and US Chess Girls were featured, Nadia said to anchor Dana Jacobson, I feel I have so much privilege and so I have an obligation to help. And well, help does Nadia. Not only does she have a program to teach kids from her village in Columbia, she's also done workshops for US Chess women to talk about some of her favorite games as well as how chess helped her to get where she is today.
2: Hello, Nadia. Welcome. Hello, Jen. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I love the invitation and I love to talk about chess.
1: Indeed. You have an origin story that a lot of chess players do that your dad taught you at a very early age. What do you first remember about chess? Was it love at first sight?
2: I I think so. I think it's a little bit on my blood. To be honest, my dad, he... Even to this day, he loved the game. He's a big fan. And it was funny that I was listening to some of the podcasts before that a lot of women, and like you too, right? You're that play an important role in the early days. So that happens to me. And then um, I just love the game. Even to this day, I don't play competitive, but I love, I'm impressed with all these streamers. Like I'm like, this is too much knowledge. And I'm also now in kind of the machine learning AI world. And I get so impressed how do you see a position and you're like, oh, this is new. I haven't, you know, something, you know, that is different. So I love the game. Uh, Since I was a kid, I still love it. I can't tell everyone, please play, get these stereotypes, stereotypes that this is only for smart people. That's not true. Yeah, it was a uh, love, and still is, and I'm happy that my dad passed me that passion to me.
1: Yeah, we are too. And the reason I said in the intro that he's a proud papa is that you gave this hour and a half long seminar to our girls' club, and everybody loved it. But I think that the person who was beaming the most throughout was, of course, your father, <laughs> as the little girls were asking you questions, and you could just see him there. He was so excited. You were actually doing like a bilingual workshop to help the girls because many girls in the United States, they study Spanish as a second language. So it was kind of cool to be able to see them learn Spanish and chess at the same time. And of course, we also have a few Spanish they learn at home as well. So those girls also felt very excited um, to to hear from you. And he, he, though, was the most excited of all.
2: That's true. And I want to point out that then the work you've been doing it really inspired many people that you have no idea how much, right? So, like personally, after we have that class in January, uh, I really took this initiative to, oh, well, how do we keep doing this? And one of the girls from that class sent me an email: Can we do something with my school? And that's we start doing bilingual classes, last time I did with one with Australia, and we actually did one with Africa.
1: The one where we had the, the tri-cultural experience where we had girls from Kenya and from Colombia and the United States and a couple of girls also from Uganda and from Malawi. It, it was really special indeed. I, I had a great time Swahili, English and and Spanish, like a, a trilingual <laughs> chess class. It's kind of a cool thing that came out of such a difficult time in the last year and a half. huh? Yeah.
2: You know, with all this COVID craziness. It also brings opportunities to other fields, right? Like, and this, I I believe, this platform of online platforms can really help communities that they never had something before, right? And and this is where I I love how we we came up with new ideas. We tried to reach out with different ways, and that's one of the things. This, like you being, you know, broadcasting tournaments. Uh, that's something new to me, right? Like we, I grew up in before we didn't have too much internet. I felt that amazing. You, you can see the... I mean, I grew up back in the days, you have to wait for a magazine, for a book. Now you see the moves right there. Uh, so that, I think that was great. And we've come seen so many players and so many games. I just love it. Yes, it was,
1: it's been really fun. So you mentioned in both the CBS interview and also an interview you did after the Queen's Gambit came out, you talk about how you came from a low-income family, but because of chess, you were able to see the whole world and get so many different opportunities, including eventually a scholarship to study in the United States. Can you tell us about that? Were there any things that coming from a low-income family made chess difficult for you? Like any tournaments that you struggled to afford or equipment? So so that's true.
2: A common low-income area in Colombia is, is something that in Colombia they do. They divide classes by numbers, and that's horrible because psychological is really bad. So basically here you have like low income, middle class, and high class, right? It's the same Colombia, but also they put numbers. So you're like kind of like class one, two, three, up to seven. So I basically grew up in class one, which is a very low income area. And that psychologically, is just ha- has affected me a lot, right? You like, you're start with very low steam. You're like, well, maybe this is too hard. As I mentioned in the interview, and as you say, I now feel so much privileged that I can see that from the other side, right? So that was the first thing to get confidence when, when the system is built uh, to oppress you, right? Like the, these communities, they don't have too much opportunity. The second one was was money, right? So we didn't have money. So going to a tournament, you really have to go to different uh, people to ask for, you know, support to ask for help. I mean nowadays that I'm kind of trying to sponsor and do these programs of you know trying to support kids to play chess or sponsor something, I realized that it's because i I know how how you know how painful it was. Basically, there were so many companies that they held me and some very small with fifty dollars twenty dollars hundred dollars so it was like a gathering of many companies, and then I was like, oh, then I can go to like a world world championship or or a, or a Panam or, or tournaments locally. So, and, and at the beginning is nobody, nobody believes in Europe, right? right? It's really hard. And chess, you know, in Colombia, like many countries, is not a sport that, you know, has a lot of money. So it was really hard that sponsorship. And that, that was the second thing that it was really, really tough to get, to get that support because it really drains you on top of you have to focus on the chess. But at the same time, I was talking with, uh, not too long ago, that because of that, I think that's what I have so much passion to give back, because I know how, it is, how hard it is, and because I grew up in these long income areas where uh, in the corner of my house, uh, someone got killed, uh, there was prostitution, there was drugs, so n- nobody has to tell me the story, like, I know how hard it is, and also, uh, I hate when they say, well, you just dream you can do it, that's not true, always. Right, the system needs to change. Uh, people need to get involved in politics because the system changed from that, and and that's what I feel like. That's another privilege that I value many things, so maybe I would have not done it if I didn't have that past that struggles. No, I think those are the two biggest ones that you're coming from this low self esteem areas. Uh, and then the no money is an issue that even to these days I was like, well. How do you make, how, you know, how, how do you
1: do it is? Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things I want to put a pin in for that, but let's start with the fact that anyone who's listening to this, you know, it's a great time, you know, coming out of the pandemic to give, of course, you can give to US Chess and devote it to underserved youth, but there's also probably organizations that serve children in chess in your community. If you want to hear about what some of those might be, feel free to message me. Even if it's not chess, I think after the pandemic, like educational opportunities have kind of really actually seen a a bigger gap because families with more resources have been able to provide like all sorts of extracurricular activities when so many things were canceled for public health reasons. So I think these next few years, it's going to be about kind of like um, trying to to breach that when we can. Thankful that you're able to do that for your your own kids in your hometown in Colombia and also in the United States. But I I want to ask you what you talked about first. You said that, so public school in Colombia, it was based on your
2: income, the class that you were in? Yeah, there is something called estratos, which meaning is, it really was, the idea was born with good intentions, which means you're from low income. The idea is the higher income, like higher, uh, you know, the number will give back to the community, right? So they pay a little bit more taxes and then you The problem with that and how it's designed by neighborhoods, kind of similar to where it is in this. Problem with that is really psychological, right? We in Colombia have, of course, racism, um, but we have a huge issue, issue about classism, which is huge. You're from certain kind of levels. We're talking about this number three, four, five. And nowadays, three is almost either you're Lottery or opportunity. So, what it brings is this um mentally is really not good, right? Like you are already saying you are coming from this, and and it really affects. Uh, I I feel now that I've been more, more open about mental health. Like I wish I had more knowledge of that. It's something that we should not call it that way, right? Like well, at least we're maybe calling in a different way because words matters, right? In numbers, even. The work I do right now, uh, I I only have two conditions. I call it this my philanthropic project is. I only have two conditions. One has to come from these numbers one and two. That's what I only what I do the projects, and it has to be have women or a big portion of you know women against. When I talk with the girls, it's, it's representation. So this right now uh, they were like, no chess, is too hard, and because they are in this surrounded by this area that. It is hard and most likely it is. You know, your parents, they barely work. So, the idea I'm, I'm bringing it with chess for this community is I like, know you can do it. There was one girl last, last, I think last week, with this, so in the, I'm doing this chess after school program, and the girl has my same last name, Ortiz. And she was like, Oh, you're Ortiz? Like, yeah. Like, I, and I grew up near your house. With these numbers or this low income, I think chess, what it brings is build that confidence, right? Because you don't need, a chess is so cheap compared to other things, right? I mean, I love computer science now that I really want to merge this computer. Chess, you, don't, you just need a board. Right now, the kids actually are building the board. And you can, for example, win to someone that is from another class or another level. And that starts bringing confidence to yourself. So that yeah, that's where it is in Colombia. We have that sadly. It's same in other countries too, with respect of low income, high income. It's just the numbers that's further than can really psychological impact.
1: That is in estrato, which I, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming, derives from stratification, which is a word that we do we do yes. have in the United exactly. States. I can understand that at first, it's like a logistical, you know, attempt to like you know figure out how how many taxes and how many government benefits you had. Yeah. It, it had this negative impact of creating more ways for classism to show itself. How will you compare the classism that you see now in the United States compared
2: to Colombia? Well, I think it has been different. Uh, before, I, I, I think it was a lack of knowledge of myself. I was like, oh, you guys have no waste poverty." Uh, but then reading about it and being, I mean, I live in one of the wealthiest places in U.S., right? Like Silicon Valley. But the amount of inequality, is you, you, maybe you don't see that classism that is like it's different kind of classism but it's just inequality i think in this country it's just hard to believe i think it's hard to believe just to give you an example so i live in san francisco and in in less than two blocks you can find thousand you know like million dollar houses or a camp of homeless in this in two blocks like you don't and that inequality is a translation of some kids getting very low internet or access to, to education, or so many people trying to get into this, uh, how do you call it, IB schools? So. Uh-huh. This inequality is it, it's huge, I think, it's, and it's getting, it, it's, uh, it's something that it was hard for me to understand because in, in Colombia, the problem has been dominated, like very few families are the richest in the country and they, they have, like, some in companies, so there's kind of very few, and then the rest live in very 40. But here's to see that so close, so unequal, like, in, in a country that is one of the best in the world, it was, it's heartbroken. Uh, but I think this is where things can get better, where new generations, like, you know, like, for example, your kids are getting empathy with others. Uh, I think that the new generations are, are going to change that. I hope so. Yes, yes. You have a story too. You left chess, right? Like for, for when you were younger. Yes. And because the lack, I mean, your story is the story of so many girls that they starting this team, right? Like computer science or anything. And I saw it. You go to a room, everyone is a man. You get discouraged. I mean, and, and I imagine your case, right? Which is the case of so many girls that you go to a tournament, everyone is a boy, it's not very welcoming environment you get discouraged. You, you get out of that uh, environment so that's what we need representation and it does it does matter it does matter to have someone there
1: so when you were a kid playing chess um, were your parents able to travel with you or were they usually um at home working
2: so uh, there was no there was no money so uh, i stopped traveling since i was a very young a very young age and stopped traveling a lot the first years i mean it was I So my dad traveled with me but after 11, 12, I stopped traveling alone. But there's another thing I feel like a privilege. I, my grandmother, she died already. Um, she was a woman advanced of her kind of age or that uh, time. Um, she was uh, my mother from my dad's side. She was very academic driven, even though she hadn't finished university. I always told this story that she was like, no, you're not going to cook. You're going to study. Yours are the books. No, cooking." which is very different message that grandmothers at that area, and especially in low income areas, like, no, you have to cook, otherwise you don't get married. You know, that's kind of the two different messages. So thanks to her, my discipline for academics and my mom values. So I think that called me to travel a lot. And it, it, it was hard, yes. Uh, and I'm looking back, it, it was. I was the first one in Colombia to start playing in Europe and living jazz as a chess player. If my kid will tell me now that gonna go to to another country just to play chess at 15, I will. I'm, I'm gonna be like, uh. uh, But I was like, well, I have that support of my family, right? Like uh, maybe some other girls or people don't have it, so they give me that. I guess the word is confidence or uh, trust. And I was traveling alone, and I was very. I didn't go out much. I was, you know, tournament study. So so I think it's, I, I, wanted, I wanted to respect the trust they gave me. And I think I, it was uh, thankful that I had that. Yeah,
1: I'm sure. I mean, if it was a financial struggle for you to go by yourself, I mean, bringing your entire family would have caused you to have to raise three times as much money. Yes,
2: that's true. I believe it was a world championship under 14. and I, I was doing really well. I even beat a Conneru. Now that I was, you know, Looking back, like the Indian team have coaches and even, uh, I don't know nowadays, but Conelo used to try with, he, with her dad and it was a whole, you know. And you were there alone. There were only three other players from Colombia. We have one capital, kind of like one person who went with all the kids. I mean, that's by itself is tough, right? Like you are alone there. Uh, the coach is not even there. But at the same time, you put so much effort in the game. And I think that's why I like to fight in the game. And that's why I love chess. Those kind of inequalities you can put it on the board, throw it on the board, and and, and the game by itself can help to overcome that.
1: Unlike a game that I also love, like poker, it, the thing about chess is everybody starts with the same pieces, and you know you can't buy in for more just because you know you make a mistake.
2: You know, like cycling or other, if you have a better bike or yeah. you have better, you are you are start the race behind. I know this, of course, you have a coach and a computer. Yes, it gives you some advantage. But I think that's what I love the most with chess. that you can, And that's what I tell the kids. It's like, you come and they're like, can I play with these kids from other... I, I remember this in, in Bronzeville. Bronzeville did a very beautiful world with chess. Bronzeville is one of the you know towns in U.S., which is a very low-income area, one of the first cities. But they did chess. And I always ask myself, why they want to bring us here? And then the thing is, you ask the kids, most of these kids, they want to be border patrol because that's the only example they give. There are other two that is very common in that area. But the idea that you bring chess, then you start seeing these kids for the first time traveling in a plane. And first time playing with kids from New York and they win and they're like, is this possible? And so this is what chess brings. Cars can be equal, you start from the same and in cars you're believe in yourself and love too much
1: again because of that. I, I agree. I mean, chess is so in, inexpensive in comparison to other activities and it can certainly, like, connect with people. And because it has this reputation of being mastered by only really intelligent people, like, which, you know, is, of course, debatable, but the fact that it has that reputation is, is really fantastic for children because then if they master chess, it gives them such a leg up in, like, job and college interviews, right? That's correct. That's correct. And so I think, yeah, it's it's good to kind of look at it from both sides, like all of the amazing themes of equality and justice in chess, as well as the fact that chess has a classist legacy. Of course, it's also known as the royal game. And I saw an interview with Rochelle Ballantyne, the chess champion from Brooklyn Castle, in Kasparov chess. And she talked about how classist chess can be and how organizations need to kind of fight that with um, assistance to programs and children who can't afford to go to tournaments. So I think like there, there's kind of like two things that are true at the same time here.
2: I mean, it, it, it's hard to have something that will satisfy everything, right? I do feel like with how cheap chess is and the input that it has in education for the kids and the long-term is huge. And I remember, I don't know if it was you or, or in your podcast, we should measure not only your rating or your title, but how chess has changed your life, right? Which is, in a way, it's a measure that it matters a lot. Some people just focus on, you know, what is your rating or what's your, what is your title? Where you can have communities where they can start learning or uh, going to school because of chess. Or just give you that courage to believe in that, like, oh, I can do this. So that means I can also apply to this. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the different points of their points of view. But uh, what I have seen and what I have lived is it can really change uh, lives.
1: How did chess um, change the life of your family back home? Do you have brothers and sisters as well?
2: Yeah, so I started being in a national program. So they help, they support me, kind of monetary, like a scholarship, like grant or something, and that helps family too. Uh, and since then, I have always trying to help family, and that I think is, you know, I worked since I'm 14, and basically I pay everything by myself, but also trying to help them, and that by itself helps a lot. And then, you know, with with my, I have a brother and I have sister. We are seven years apart is a lot, but the relationship between sports, he's a cyclist. And I think he also has seen the example that when you go to a competitive level, the amount of time and dedication is, is, is a lot, right? So I think it's changed our helped. I believe, my brother to you know, put that kind of example to in his work. And, and in general, I am grateful that I had the opportunity, which means uh, I can help the family too. And uh, that's, that's what I felt like. Chess helped me through the education. And that's what I felt like the direct impact of chess is that.
1: And your dad, is he a chess coach now? Because I think he was coaching the children yeah.
2: that you work with. Yeah. yeah. So I have a chess kind of nonprofit club in Colombia where we, we did this uh, chess in the schools in uh, low income areas. But he is very competitive. He's like, no, we have to make this champion. Like, it's a mix because I focus on my first phase. My goal is to build a foundation. So, but my first step is trial and error, right? I like am learning. I'm, I also working. It's you know, this remote It's hard. And he wants to make champions. And he's like, no, we're gonna win. Uh, so we're trying to combine. So he, so the kids that are from my after school and some kids they want to keep learning. So then they go to this chess club. And we have beautiful stories. Now we've been working more than four years, so we have beautiful stories. But I do see this in a long term. I don't know, Jen, if you have seen, there is a documentary Netflix called uh, Daughters of Destiny, I believe. Have you seen it?
1: No, I haven't.
2: It's based on a foundation that is in Bangladesh. But the idea, I was like, that's my idea. So it's taking the kids from you know, very low income, and then seeing them grow, right? And which is you give them education. And it's not only education, it's how do you, how do you eat, mental, physical, blah, 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 And I feel like I want to do something very similar. right now I'm just taking kind of data, learning how to do it, how to do this. And that's what is, what is my goal to, you know, to Chess, helping to change the lives of, of these kids.
1: That's beautiful. I'm so excited. Well, you have to keep me abreast and I can help, um, I can help as, as it grows. You know, it's interesting that we did an event with Grandmaster Pontus Carlsen from Sweden, but what a lot of people don't know about him is that he
2: was born in Colombia, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was
2: born in Colombia and I love how he, he's really into helping, right? Which is, uh, is something that, uh, I'm grateful we have people not akin to like you. And but yeah, he was born in Colombia.
1: Yes. And he's a proud Colombian. I guess, I guess it's on his Twitter bio, so maybe a lot of people do know. But he, <laughs> he, uh, he has an organization, Business Meets Kids Meets Chess. And so the three of us, along with uh, Judy at the Lighthouse Chess Club, did an event. And it was so fun. We have to do another one. I've gotten such rave reviews about it.
2: Beautiful. And I love how they are you know, bringing women, right, girls. That's, that's a beautiful, that we need to have more girls too. And that start by example, by bringing people to acknowledge that we have you and, and in everything. And, and I, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I do believe that chess could be really a bridge to start going to the, into the STEAM careers. Because in chess, you go and then there are so many, you know, and you're maybe the only girl playing. And then you go to a STEAM and you're the only girl there. And then you're like, oh, this is just like chess. So I, it helps. And if you
1: had that experience in your own Career at Apple and in computer science and now AI? Yes, yes,
2: totally. And, and, and I feel like maybe you didn't recognize it, or, or I don't know if you recognize the word, but because in chess, you have done this then, right? And like you're determined there are a few women and they're by men, right? Uh, and you start seeing like this is normal. There was, you know, do you, now that we have more awareness that we need, you know, that diversity. You go to meetings and everyone is a man. Uh, but then the problem goes way, you know, before, right? Like in the university, well, there are few women who graduate from computer science. Then in, in, in college, you know, in high school, going to college, uh, a lot of girls, they also, there are very few that they don't, they get discouraged, right? So there is a lot of work to do, but I also want to say that a lot of good progress have been done.
1: Yes, I agree. There has been progress. Although, again, there's that potential backslide with the, the pandemic. So that's why it's so important to, I guess, put our foot in the gas right now as we can. So you mentioned earlier in the interview about how your work in AI sometimes um, reminds you of the games and the articles you're reading about with you know, programs like AlphaZero and Leela. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like how... What insights can you give us to like the current state of AI and chess from your work in Apple and AI and machine learning?
2: My work is more like data in manufacturing. So I'm not working right now like an a user interface than this, but I, like I love DeepMind uh, company, right? How and chess has been, uh, is a great platform for a new algorithms to learn. And then uh, that is. One field that uh, I think I love it, which is reinforcement learning, which is the new uh, alpha uh, zero b- based on. And that's what I feel um, the game is amazing because you, you see the game, new position. Maybe i it's Dubov, this kid that is playing this amazing position. And then this is something that I imagine the computer learning this by itself. So that's where uh, I feel like, and they, I mean, they have some papers, they put, you know, chess and how it helps to have the scan chess go and other games where the, the thing is they learn there and then they have the impact in medicine and they have the impact in other, in other parts. So in, with my role with machine learning and AI right now it's more like exactly that more data, data science, machine learning with, in manufacturing and looking forward, I think I, I would love to have that, um, you know, getting into that field of reinforcement, which is something that, you know, is progressing as we speak. So it's, it's a community that is growing.
1: I know you're very busy with your nonprofit work with Columbia and also with your job, but like, just suppose in some, you know, alternate universe, you had like a whole year where all you had to do was work on your own game and study chess. What approach would you take? you know, considering everything you've learned from your studies over the last decade and also, of course, your experience with computers?
2: First, I will say having a healthy mental uh, state because I started being open with the girls. Now there's girls in Colombia that I want for them to become grandmasters in this. In chess, we treat ourselves very, or I treat myself very bad. And if I made the mistake during the game, I was punished myself too much. And, you know, after going to therapy and not understanding how, you know, same, same as you care about your physical activity, you have to care about it. I will change that. So that meaning that I will train hard, but rest too. If I was catching myself putting too much pressure to myself, I will take a moment to acknowledge that this is not correct. And it sounds maybe come kind of too easy, but it's so hard to do it. And it's as important as the technical stuff because the psychological impact is, is huge. So I will focus on, on that in terms of a technical. I, I am so impressed with the amount of data, that like amount of streamers is amazing. So I was a coach before with the young kids. I don't know how I will, I will definitely change how I teach and how I will teach myself, but I will maybe try to narrow down what I would like to learn because there are too much information. Even to these days, I love tactics. So I do almost every day, the chess puzzles for chess.com. I love that. Um, I always want to see how many I can do in five minutes. And I will, I will, take a good advantage of the modules that they, you know, the, how do you analyze the positions with the computers and then the combination. And I think, I think as for in his book and many, many people has mentioned AI by itself is really not enough because you have, you know, ethics, you have problems. It's the combination and the bridge between people and computers. And, you know, and I will, I will do the same for uh, if I was training chess right now, uh, not only letting, you know, whatever the computer says, but, what is my opinion and how can I test that with a with computer? So I, I would do that. So uh, in summary, that one, awareness of mental health. i treat myself better, not to judge myself too much. An advice I give to the girls now that uh, think about it. You are putting yourself with something. You will not talk that, like that with a, with a friend, right? But we do that when you play chess because it, it's really inside. Everything is inside. I will change that. And then I will... Try to combine the benefits of uh, the chess engines and combination of what other people are playing and what I am thinking
1: too. You know, I had an interview with Nemo, um, the streamer, on my poker podcast, actually, because she's playing poker a lot now, The Grid. But she talked a lot about having a performance coach. She's only 21 years old, but the esports company that she signed with, um, CLG Gaming, has like an on staff performance coach, which I thought was fantastic. And she, talked about also this, about being too hard on herself and, you know, just getting really upset when she plays badly or had a bad result. It seems like something you hear a lot from female players. I mean, of course, maybe it's partly because, you know, you, you, you have this idea that if you are harder on yourself, you'll push yourself to play get better, but it, it can really backfire. When did you start getting help for this? Was it in a regular therapy session and it just came up? Or do you also go to like a performance coach? The
2: thing is, I think it happens to all. Maybe we are as women, we are maybe more judged, you know, we judge more, but also chess doesn't really help because, for example, you're playing a sport that is physical. If you made a mistake, you can scream, you can say it about work, or it, it the, you know it hurts and you say it out loud. The problem with chess is you are internalizing everything. So you made a mistake and then you boom. Just start saying, oh, well, you're such an idiot. Why you do this? Blah, 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 blah. And then you cannot scream and you have to be there, sit there and internalize everything. And that's horrible. And then I started being open about, you know, therapy because it's a taboo in Colombia. It's something like you go to therapy, it's like, what's wrong with you? As I said, now it's been like two years. And at the beginning, I didn't tell anyone. I was like feeling ashamed. And then I was like, wow. I wish more people have, because this is a privilege, right? Like I have such a good health insurance because I have a good company. I wish we have more people access to this. What happens to me is, so I've been on this, you, you need to be better because, you know, your environment and it, so then, then, you know, to become grandmaster. And then uh, I go to UTV and then I you know English, so you have to study all the time. And then there is always this fear that you're going to lose everything. So I went to Purdue it was so tough a few weeks ago i talked with a lady that she's in the program and i was very honest with her it was like and there is also a mental switch because you've been imagine you all the time you get a's and suddenly so you get c's for the first time and you're like am i good enough do i belong here so i think what happened is i reached a point that you are always pushing pushing and never took care of my mental health never took care of my mental health and i thought that was you know you don't need to talk you don't, and there is a breakdown. And I think that's where that's why I want to, you know, start being more open with, with girls, more open that it's not okay to treat yourself bad. It's okay to get C's. It's okay if you fail, even if you failed something in the class or project something. So I think that, that the therapy helped me to realize you've been doing this for so many years and your brain is, you know, go to that direction very easily. So that's why it helps to also talk about it, you realize you were not the only one, right? Like more people treat yourself. You know, more people, it is, it's tough. And chess and computer, it's very similar. You're it's very introverted. You're in very kind of small groups. You are alone. I feel now that people should be more open about that. And it, it helps to have a, a healthier environment. And saying that, I remember Michelle Obama, um, at the, I went to a talk to Michelle Obama, and she was saying, you know, sometimes I feel lost. And, and everyone was like, What? like yeah like everyone feels you need to be honest so having that empathy and or being honest and uh sharing also that is not easy uh, i think it helps
1: i think finding a great therapist that can also understand something like you know a competitive chess player is not always easy it sounds like you found somebody good right away
2: yeah it took me many months and I was like, well, I, I also love neuroscience. So uh-huh. I, read, I read a lot about neuroscience. I was like, oh, maybe I, I can read about it. Maybe, oh, maybe I just have, you know, depression. And, and he's very, and also just gives you this, you can do it. You can, you know, think about this. Uh, so it took me many months. And then, as I say, for, it was a taboo. So I was like, oh, I don't know, should I? And then he he's a psychiatrist. And I think what he was very good at with me is, I am a little bit of a nerd. So he, he's like, oh, I have this couple of books. How would you read this? So he, I think I, I only have had him as a therapist. But I think what a uh, good therapist is, you know, kind of learn how to read your patient. And it was just kind of giving me that path for me to understand. It's like, oh, this is, oh, that's why. Like that um, realization that I had with chess is like, oh, of course. And like I treat myself so badly with Chad. Then I pushed myself in everything that I did. So if, if I had 90 in the exam, I was like, oh, what happened? Why, why didn't get the 100? Instead of first saying, hey, you have, you did a good job. I also didn't know that many people go to therapy. It was new to me. As I say, I didn't tell anybody at the beginning. Uh, but I think this is where right now with the girls in Colombia, that I was talking about how I used to treat myself really bad when I play. And they were like, you? And I was like, yes, everyone. And you, you know... Judy Polo has talked about this, right? No, long ago, actually, uh, Carson uh, gave an interview saying that how hard it was for him to make mistakes and he, you know, getting so much angry. And I think it's having a community, you know, to talk. And I think for, for us as women, we are learning to start sharing more. I think it's
1: fantastic. What was the book that your therapist recommended? I don't think I caught the title.
2: It was Anxiety and the Psychology of Anxiety, but the different... Faces uh, that, that it has and it is more academic so basically it just go you know what are the states and why do you react to that and I think that's where he started catching me also that because he's a psychiatrist so he's, he's a doctor so uh, I love neuroscience so he started with terminology that he, I would be very interested right No, everyone also has access to you know that kind of therapy one thing also is it takes time. I feel I was more open after way too many months, even to him. So it takes time. And and in general, uh, the benefits is, is, is just beautiful. There is a, a story that I told. So there was a tech talk of, uh, he's a psychiatrist from, I don't know exactly the, the country, but in general in Africa, they don't have access to mental health. But he created this program called the Grandma Bench, which the grandma become like a therapist to the community. And it's just the power to, to share information, to share it with people that you know. I am changing because I never talk about that, never talk how hard it was. And I think by, just by talking and sharing, I think it helps for other people to say that they don't think that they're the only ones, right? Absolutely.
1: And, you know, I actually have a friend from Chess and Poker, Dan Smith, and one of his uh, charity projects, he gives lots and he's been very successful. So he gives a lot of support to charities. And one of them is called Strong Minds, which is a organization in Uganda, which um, tries to give mental health access to women who often can benefit so greatly from it. So I think that uh, that's super powerful to me. And I love I love that you're open about it. I love that um, Chiyu um, Nemo talked about it in her interview as well. Like, It's not traditional therapy. It's more performance coach, um, right? But p performance coach, like kind of a sports psychologist, as I think we used to call it. Um, but it seems like more and more organizations are really considering that. I mean, if anybody listening watches the amazing TV show, Ted Lasso, there's a therapist, (laughs) a team therapist who does like wonders in helping. Oh, I don't want to give any spoilers. So is there anything you want to to end us on? What do you miss about Colombia? Tell us like something amazing about your country that we need to know if we visit.
2: I I love the people. I do, I do, I do love that, you know, the culture is something that you love it. Sometimes you hate it. But at the same time, I feel that, kind of sense of community, friends, uh, family, I think that is, uh, is uh, going to be always missed, right? Like, it doesn't matter where you are and uh, how many years you are outside the country, you're going to miss. Thanks, Jen, for doing this. I was listening to other podcasts. A very interesting, as we said, sharing the stories. I think this idea of the podcast uh, reaching more people. Uh, especially, you know, girls, it, it is important and it makes a difference. So thank you for, for this space and for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of my story.
1: Of course, we can follow you on on Twitter, but what about your organization? Is there any place that people can find out more about all the work you do in Colombia?
2: His name is Club Formando Talentos. We have a Facebook page for the Club Formando Talentos. And right now, as I say, it's very small, uh, but the, with the intention that we're going to grow.
1: Wonderful. And you're at Nadia Ortiz on Twitter as well. So you'll keep us updated there with any any future news about that. And it's been so wonderful to have you on Ladies Night. I get I got to find out so many things about you. So I feel really lucky. And the listeners, I'm sure, feel the same way. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. If you like what we're doing at US Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our US Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The US Chess suite of podcasts, including Ladies Night, are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films, Photography, and Media. Please visit 7seasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all U.S. Chess Podcasts from One Move at a Time, Cover Stories, and The Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be Ladies Night.
0: Now according to Stockfish I got it all wrong Have to slide My dear couple, Blanco, you tell me